0: This is the St. Louis Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. It is finally fall weather out there, gentlemen. I am excited.
2: It's beautiful out. The it front is came through everything. So
1: nice. It's going to get cold like tomorrow. They're supposed to be down like but
3: 38 degrees. I love it. Yeah. Oh,
1: I, I am built for cold weather. My genetics are from <laughs> cold weather countries.
3: Is that why you wore the uh, the flannel type shirt no, today? No, I mean
1: this is this is it looks like flannel, but it's not. It's a pretty light shirt, but uh deceive me. It is very de- it's a deceptively looking warm shirt. It is. It is. But no, it's,
3: it's it is not
0: flannel. There's a gigantic hurricane that made landfall today.
3: Yes. I'm so glad to be from the Midwest.
0: It's perfect day. 10 (laughs) out of 10.
3: Is
1: is that your pickup line for women?
0: Yeah. Are you today's date? Are you today's date?
4: 10 out
1: of 10. Because you're a 10 out of 10. That's not a bad one. That's pretty good. I think it's not bad. I've heard worse. Oh, I've heard a lot worse. But I think like that one, I think you might get a girl to chuckle with that.
0: My favorite is you have mirrors in your pants. Because I can see myself in
1: that. Yeah, that one you might get slapped. (laughs) Oh. But... uh, Tara Wellman, girlfriend of the show. Yeah, she will let us know. Terry, whenever you're listening to us, let us know. The you, are you today's date ten out of ten as far as a pickup line goes.
3: I'm going to go with Tara, probably saying no.
1: Probably saying
3: no. Probably saying. I don't no. know. I mean, like she might find it cute. She's an intellectual. She she sees right through the bullshit. Oh,
1: well, <laughs> of course, it's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, anybody going in
0: serious with are you today's date ten out of ten is is already pathetic. Low of forty two tonight, gentlemen. Low of thirty eight tomorrow night. Thirty five on Friday night. Oh, Sunny and fifty six on Saturday for the for your weekend forecast coming up right after this. Thank you, Dave Murray.
3: And, I, and I'm Dave Murray.
0: Who knew that Dave Murray was still with us? Right, he is broadcasting.
1: Fifty five and cloudy on Sunday we for
3: you. Now round, brought up Dave Sunday. Murray on multiple podcasts. We really have I'm not we mad. Need it. to we not, need to get him we on. We Need to get him on.
1: Speaking of uh, joining us on the podcast, nah. we will have Jeff Chadia from the NFL Network. And then Danny Jones from the Columbia Daily Tribune, he's going to tell us how bad Mizzou's going to get their ass kicked on Saturday by Bama. Now take Missouri
0: Missouri straight up. And then Jeff up. we're going to
1: talk about the first five weeks of the NFL season. And uh, now where Drew Brees belongs in the pantheon of NFL quarterbacks. It seems like he's kind of overlooked when it comes to talking about all-time greats. I mean, right now, recently, recency bias, you're going to go with Brady, you're going to go with Manning. And then to a further extent that you're going to bring in Aaron Rodgers and then everybody kind of overlooks Drew Brees, who's going to have he right now. He's he's the yardage leader, passing yards leader. He's probably going to have a touchdowns one, two. He's got a Super Bowl. He's got the same amount as Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Right. And, OK, like Peyton Manning. Technically, yes, he has two Super Bowls, but that one, that last one he won. I mean, that one was all Von Miller in that defense. Oh, yeah. Peyton Manning was There's a reason why he retired at the end of that year. He <laughs> his, was terrible that his season. His arm was dead. He was nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions that year. He was god-awful. But he got a ring. But he got a ring. <laughs> so now now he's tied with Eli. But yeah. it's kind of funny how, like, with Drew Brees, like, you just kind of overlook him.
3: He, it, it's funny because I was watching it the other night, and I truly didn't even, tr- like, really realize how long Drew Brees has been in the league. He's eight. 18 years, I believe, he's been in the National yes. Football League. Yes,
1: I remember when I was in college and listening to – I went to CMSU, which is outside Kansas City. So it's the Kansas City Media Market. Right. And listening to uh, W10 – 810 WHB, which is kind of like their 590 The Fan, I guess. And people like – Chiefs fans are like – they're really no different than anybody else. If they win like two games in a row, they're the greatest team ever to put on – to ever uh, to ever grace a football field. And who are the Chiefs going to play in the Super Bowl? And then if they lose two games in a row, it is they should just tank the rest of the season. And you know who are they going to draft with the number one pick overall? And in, uh, in the upcoming draft, it was it was one way or the other. There was no in between.
3: They're the definition of fair weather fan.
1: Absolutely. Well, I would say fair weather, but they're 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 uh, maybe schizophrenic. There you go. Bipolar. They're, they're one or the other. <laughs> they're either too high or they're too low. they're, they're, they're never in the middle. And they were talking about like, you know, hey, if we we should take this year and draft Drew Brees because their quarterback at the time was Elvis Gerbach and Elvis Gerbach was one of the most hated men in Kansas City at the time. I mean, hated. Right. But uh, anyway, we'll talk about all that with Jeff Chadia here in a little bit. Now I want to talk about the big announcement Tuesday, which was the new MLS for the Lou plan. Uh, you have the Taylor family. If, if you're listening to us outside the St. Louis market, and you have no idea who the Taylors are, they are the family that owns Enterprise Rent-A-Car, National Rent-A-Car, so they've got more yeah, I money. Alamo as well. Alamo as well. And Enterprise Holdings, is the, Enterprise the Holdings
0: is, is the name of the company. Enterprise Holdings
1: is the name of the company. They've got you know
0: money on top of money on top of money on top of money. They've given away $860 million in philanthropic efforts in St. Louis. And,
1: and not one penny of that went to the three of us. <laughs> very, um, upsetting. Very, very upsetting. Very upsetting. And it then, probably went to
0: something that we, that we benefit from. Oh, I'm
1: sure. And then uh, John Cavanaugh, who is the CEO of Worldwide Technologies. That'd be
0: Jim Cavanaugh.
1: Jim Cavanaugh. Yep. We'll set it that out. Jim Cavanaugh, the CEO <laughs> of Worldwide uh, Technologies. I'll do, it, I'll do it live. I'll do it live. Of <laughs> uh, Worldwide Technologies, a big company uh, located in Maryland Heights. Yep. They are basically combining forces along with a few other people to privately fund the soccer stadium that was voted down by the citizens of the city of St. Louis a couple years ago. And at that point, it looked like MLS to St. Louis was dead and buried. And now they have combined together because there are two vacancies left in the MLS. And they are like, you know what, we need to get an MLS team here in St. Louis. St. Louis is a huge soccer market, and they're going to privately fund the stadium. And then I think more importantly is that the owners of the team – Will be uh, basically the matriarchs of the Taylor family, yep. the women of the Taylor family. Correct. Mm-hmm. So they will be the first minority-owned team, I believe, in the MLS. Women-owned team and women-owned, women-owned team. team. Well, yeah, okay, not, well, not minority. women owned oh, Well, be
0: some people would consider that a minority though. They're separate deals. They're but, classified as separate. Deals. There's there's minority there's minority-owned business and women-owned business.
1: Okay, but so they'd be the first one in North America, right? The for uh, for any professional sports franchise that's going to be owned by women, get it right, Burger. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, you if you don't think that's going to be appealing to the MLS, I think that alone a private well, a privately funded stadium and the I mean, I'm not, I'm not belittling it, but the great PR that you would get from a story like that. Absolutely,
0: I think that is going to push St. Louis over the edge. And plus. The- the Taylors and the Cavanaugh's don't get involved in this if they're not already talking to the MLS. Exactly,
1: they're they're not doing this and crossing their fingers, going, "Okay, oh, well, we maybe hope this so. will happen." Yeah, the, if, the they,
0: MLS wants to be here. Absolutely, they do. You know, even though we don't have an NFL team, it's still the twenty first market in the country, and that's and that that has holding power. You know, that's that's a, that's a huge selling point. It especially absolutely
3: does, soccer. especially for soccer. Especially for
1: now, I've had my misgivings with the MLS. I had Neil Demalz on my old Five Ninety show. Uh, Neil the wrote the book, Field of Schemes, talking about at the time when the stadium was going to be publicly financed, he wrote the book, Field of Schemes, and he had his misgivings about the MLS as well. He was basically calling the MLS, uh, you know, a Ponzi scheme, saying that the league is being afloat, it's being kept afloat by expansion fees. Mm. And that is how the league is still going, Is that's the reason why they're expanding like crazy, is because that's the only way that the league can remain
3: solvent.
0: Is that true or not true?
1: That I mean, that was his take on it. That was Neil De take on it, and I've also heard Dave Rapp say that too. I wish I yeah, could be I was th-
3: say it. It wasn't the first time that I heard that. Whenever you had him on initially, yeah.
1: I, I wish I could be the father of that take. I have to give all, all full credit to Dave Rapp. Dave Rapp was the one who said that initially. Well, I mean,
0: it makes sense, but man, it's it's that's a that's a really tough tough label to put on something. Oh, it, I mean, that's, it a, that's, I mean, that's it's, criminal.
1: Well, okay, but I, I mean, Neil De wasn't like wanting to drag the owners of MLS into court. Mm. But he's basically saying, like, you know, when I'm looking at this, this is what it feels like. He wasn't outright saying that's what it is. Right. And I don't think he's necessarily entirely wrong because why? The, I mean, the MLS, I understand, is, is, soccer is a growing sport in this country. It has been for, like, the past 40, 50 years, it seems like. Yeah. But why all of a sudden this big rash to expand Major League Soccer, professional soccer in the United States? Expanding more than...
3: Any other professional sports organization? Yeah, I in mean, you—if
1: you were to go by basically popularity alone, you would think it'd be the NBA that right. would be expanding like crazy.
3: Right.
0: Love to have, Love to have an NBA team here too.
1: Oh, I would too. Trust me, I would rather have an NBA team here than a hockey team. Don't let Cam Jansen know. Oh my! Oh my! That's. A, <laughs> I'm going to add that to the hot
0: takes of the week. There you go.
1: I, I just—I'd rather watch basketball than hockey. Nothing against hockey. Nothing against hockey fans. I'm just talking about me personally. I would rather watch basketball. Before than I
0: knew you, I I had you pegged as a big blusher.
1: Why is that? I don't bald, know. Bald head and the beard.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> big guy. Big guy. Big guy. Bald head beard. Yeah. No. Not a blusher. I saw the most. Come blucher- on, yo! Change those lines up. Come on, let's uh, go, uh, coach. Uh, he's coaching the stands.
1: I'm not one of those that goes to the hockey game and just sh- just yell shoot every single time. <laughs> shoot every single time <laughs> someone touches the guy. puck. Yeah, that that's that's kind of a blusher thing. I saw the most blusher thing on Twitter over the weekend. Oh no. It was somebody wearing customized blues jerseys, and the last name was Hagar, and the number was 55. saw that. I'm like, that is the most bluesier thing I've ever <laughs> actually, seen in it, my entire said, life.
0: I think it said S. Hagar.
1: One of them said S. Hagar. One just said Hagar. There were two of them, and they both had number 55 on the back. I'm you like, know, that is the most St. Louis bluesier thing I've ever seen in my life.
0: Simi it. hagar is a big deal, obviously.
1: Huge here in St. Louis, and but I'll never understand uh, but why. But his
0: popularity, yeah, well, it was because of K.C., but I mean, like, can she, she like blew him up?
1: Oh, I understand. But still now he is still popular. I can understand. Oh, like, yeah, I can understand like back in the 70s and the 80s when he was doing Montrose and then a the solo thing and then with Van Halen. But still to this day, Sammy Hagar will like sell out Riverport and that any place else he's playing like at VFW Hall. I'm surprised
0: so, he doesn't do like three nights out of Riverport every summer in a row. I, I'm stunned, too. Because you know he'd sell out. It I mean, like,
1: cause people, people would go every night. People Clay's age love Sammy Hagar. I'm love not, him.
3: I'm not going to Sammy Hagar. I, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not either. You do. <laughs> I'm
1: just saying, like, people your age, people who, like, when, when Sammy Hagar was at like, like, the peak of his powers, you were, like, running around in diapers. You didn't give yeah, a shit about Van all. Halen or, or any of that. No.
0: I like Van Halen, not Van Hagar. Van Hagar sucks. I mean, they're different
1: bands. They are different bands. I do like Van Halen better with Dave Lee Roth than I did with Sammy Hagar, but I mean, they're they're you just kind of like appreciate them for what they are. Yeah, they're different bands. They're di- completely <laughs> well, completely, totally like even music, even uh, the style musically. Yeah, completely different. Like Dave Lee Roth, they incorporated like jazz. They were a little more fun, a little more of a rock band, right? And then they bring in Sammy Hagar, and the next thing you know, here come the keyboards and the power ballads,
0: right? Right now. I love Right Now.
1: Right Now is a good song. They've got a lot of good songs. Look at you. Come on, Clay. Just, jump in on the Sammy I, Hagar conversation. I, just,
3: I was just thinking to myself, like, God, this started off as a soccer conversation. And, and now we're it, talking about Sammy Hagar. We're talking
1: about Sammy Hagar. Only
3: at the Last Man Up podcast.
0: Genesis with Peter Gabriel or Genesis with Phil Collins? Oh, Phil oh, Collins. Yeah, right. For sure. Also different bands. Different but both, bands. But
1: both great in their own right. Okay. Like, Genesis with Phil Collins became like a really big pop band. When they had Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel, they were like they were
0: Weird. Weird.
1: They were a really weird, progressive band. Like You watch their videos, and it's like Peter Gabriel will be dressed like a penguin standing there (laughs) singing a song. Sticks
0: sticks with Dennis DeYoung or Sticks with Tommy Shaw? Tommy Shaw. Uh, Oh, no. Dennis DeYoung is the right answer. Probably Dennis DeYoung. Yeah.
3: I don't know. Something about Tommy Shaw and Sticks just made me want to just go do cocaine in a bathroom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It does do that.
3: And that's what rock music is to be. If you're not doing cocaine big, in a bathroom, what are you listening
0: to rock big, music for? I think the big first hit with Tommy Shawn Sticks, I think, was Crystal Ball. I think you're right, but I mean, all of the other weird shit that Dennis Young did. Uh, the one that got him kicked out was Mr. Roboto. It Was the one that yep. got that got him kicked out of Sticks.
1: The strangest thing I've ever seen in my entire life was that South
0: or it was Grand Illusion.
1: Was that Southtown Pub? Or they have the uh, the karaoke upstairs. Yeah. And there was like a 24-year-old African-American gentleman who sang Mr. Roboto as his karaoke song, and he knew every single word. And I was like, I would have put every single penny I own on that kid not even knowing who Styx is. Let alone singing Mister Roboto. I've done Mister
3: Roboto a couple of times. Okay, but
1: you're old as hell.
3: And more, I think more people my age know Mister Roboto and forget that it's sung by Sticks. Like Sticks did it. They okay, more but like, so what no do you know it, it from? Mr. Is it, like, it kind of like Africa from that car commercial? Just it's a catchy song. It's a goofy ass song. Yeah, that like, could be. I don't know. Millennials are into that kind of shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, absolutely.
0: And <laughs> yeah, they love they love Africa. They love Africa now <laughs> right. too by yeah. Toto. Yeah. Because even though, because though, Weezer did it. No, before. not because, <laughs> no, it was it was even popular before Weezer did it. Even though Rosanna is a,
1: is a superior song, but we we we've we have have talked about yeah, that we've it. Covered that before. before. Uh, back to the MLS but to disagree. St. Louis.
0: <laughs> back to the MLS. <laughs> MLS. Enough, Phil Collins come open up the uh, the uh, the new enterprise stadium there for the yeah, he's, he's, uh, are we, are we, gonna, have, are we gonna, gonna have we're gonna have two enterprise stadiums here in St. Louis? Uh, it
1: may be national.
0: Oh, that might be that, national. that
1: one might be national because they I mean they were they were the the, the uh, at first they were the naming rights of the um, now defunct football stadium. Right. They swung in with the money there. I remember that being a big deal when yeah. that announcement was made.
0: Clay's shaking his head no. Clay is shaking his head no. It's he not does, like he has insight on the issue. He does,
3: he does
1: not think it's going to be S- national.
3: Speculatively, speculatively, I don't know what word you want to use. Allegi- but, uh, probably, maybe. Word on the street, maybe. Word on the
1: street, Let's rumors. <laughs> recklessly speculating Clay Reck- Byersdorfer. Rec-
3: recklessly speculating. Uh, no, I don't think... That's what it's going to end up being. Okay, do you have an actual reckless speculation maybe
0: then? Maybe
1: worldwide technology it, it, field or it, something like that. It
0: could be go, that too.
3: It's going to be branded. I'll, I'll just I'll leave you with that. Um, do
0: you know what it's going to be? I I do. Don't but, don't, oh. don't, don't be sweating him. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, if he knows, okay, tell me what it's not going to be then. It's, 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 it's well, not you gonna, already it's, told
3: you it's not going to be national. I, that, that, I've already said too much.
0: It's going to be Rolf- a <laughs> Purina Stadium, isn't it?
1: I, I <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be Anheuser Busch Field right next to our, it's
0: gonna be Scrubs and Beyond Field Charter Field.
3: It's gonna be uh, Lida Cruisen Field. Lida there and there Field. There we
0: go. <laughs> I think we should buy the naming rights for it. The last Man Up Field. I, I mean, we got a couple of pennies we could put together. Absolutely.
3: Can we become the official uh, podcast whenever the team is brought to St. Louis? Let, let's,
1: just, let's start. Uh, let's start. You know, start I know
0: about soccer. I know there's a greasing sweep. the skids. There's a sweeper. He's not a goaltender. He's a goalkeeper. He's a keeper.
1: That's what I know. So
0: someone tweeted
1: out <laughs> a potential of what the kit could look like, Ugh. and Clay is already not a fan. I thought it looked pretty sharp. It looked the like red the, and blue ones. Yes, okay, I saw those. It looked like the flag of the
3: city of St. Louis. It Did that's all it was? It was the flag turned vertically. Vertically, I thought it right. looked.
0: I thought it looked sharp with some gradient. I don't like the gradient in it. It didn't take much. Uh, it didn't
3: take you know what look mu- like. much thought. Um, but I will, yeah, it, it was completely hideous. I I was very whoever, offended.
0: Whoever designed the late 90s blues uniforms, designed those. Yes.
1: Well, those <laughs> late 90s blues uniforms were bad with that, that half red or whatever it was. That was terrible. Yeah. Um, what do we think the name of the MLS team is going to be? Real Enterprise? No, it's not going to be something corporate
3: like that. I would love for them to make Ambush a real thing just because I love the Ambush name, but that'll never happen.
1: It's probably going to be like. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be something that's going to be very like EPL sounding. So it's oh, going to be sure. like. You think so? I think it's be
3: more.
0: No, I think it. I 100%. thought all the MLS teams had like traditional American names. Like, what do they call themselves in Atlanta?
1: I think so. I think it's like Atlanta SC or something like that. Oh, uh, okay. Like Sporting KC used to be the Kansas City Wizards, right? And then they changed their name, You're right? Um, I think the only okay, you have like the New, like the New England Revolution. You have the Columbus
3: Crew. Mm-hmm. Um, Here, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what g- New, New York is like red, red Bull. You have New York
1: FC United, and then something. you have New York. Or you have yeah, they red have, have
0: Red Bull, New York Red Bulls, Atlanta United FC, Seattle Founders FC, DC United, LA Galaxy, Toronto FC, Portland Timbers, Montreal Impact, FC Dallas, Sporting KC, Los Angeles. So LA has two franchises. They have the, they have the LA Galaxy, and then there was another one. Los Angeles FC, New York City FC, Real Salt Lake, Vancouver Whitecaps. Chicago Fire Soccer Club.
1: That's a lot of... And they're going to add two more?
0: Philadelphia Union, Houston Dynamo, Columbus Crew, San Jose Earthquakes, Orlando City SC, New England Revolution, Colorado Rapids, Minnesota United FC, Football Miami, Chivas USA, Nashville MLS team.
1: <laughs> okay, and now they're going to add possibly two more. Yeah. How many teams did you just rattle off?
3: Uh, I don't know. They've got to be we, over 30.
1: That seemed like a ton. One, two, yeah.
0: three, four, five, six. Seven, there's
1: seven, enough soccer seven, talent seven. in the United States to go around for. I mean, I know, understand like someone's going to come over from overseas, too, right. who just can't cut it in the European League, so right. they're going to come here. But, right. I mean, that's, that seemed like a lot to me.
3: No.
0: Um, It'll end up being... Uh, so there's going to be 28 teams. 28. That's close. I think, like, River City.
1: I can see it like, being, like, River City SC because they have to – St. Louis SC, what, Saint, something like that.
3: St. Louis FC, that's already the thing though, right? That's that blue and green and white football club. It's not the MLS, but it's the professional soccer league. What, what is that league that – what does St. Louis FC play in? I'm not sure what the league is. What's that team that plays out in Earth City? It's St. Louis FC. It's St. Louis FC. STLFC, STLFC
0: or something like that, yeah. You no, know, it's called St. Louis FC. Yeah. yeah. And so we know, we know they're we, a member of the United Soccer League, yeah, that's USL. What
3: that's what it is. So we know for sure it's probably not going it, to be St. Louis FC based on naming and branding convention.
0: Probably not. Um, but by the way, they have a great logo They and a do great logo. They have a great yeah, logo yeah.
1: And they have a great following too yeah. From what a I've heard following. Yep. Like in that league Like they are the rock stars Of that league When it comes to Like filling up that stadium Those yeah. games sell out I mean granted I think What is It's 5,000 5, people 5,000 people down there yeah. I mean that's, still, that's great Yeah You're talking about People in the city ha- Like driving out to Fenton And we might as well Just put that soccer field On the moon As yeah. far as people In the, in the city are concerned yeah.
0: To drive out no, to Fenton A lot of folks Drive out from over here I have a lot of friends Who uh, Millennials Who drive over there
3: Yep Quite the following. And they used the, uh, use their branding in the first, um, I guess, attempt, you would say, at, at bringing the MLS here when mm-hmm. they made all those scarves. Um, but yeah, you saw today, they used the fleur de Lis, the classic, you know, river stripes going down the side, but... I saw that uniform today and I damn near puked.
1: <laughs> I think that might be a bit strong, but I'm sure they will tweak it depending but, on what the name of the team is feel, going to be. I
3: feel bad because that guy is probably a graphic designer that I've come across just in my professional career and I just absolutely obliterated. Yes, you Twitter. did. Um, yes, you did. So shout out to that guy. Sorry for hurting your feelings. I'm sure
1: he's hey, not. It's, always-
0: all, it's all professional.
1: I'm sure he, I'm sure he's weeping himself right now, weeping, weeping himself silly. Probably. He's um, like, oh boy, Clay Byersdorfer
0: saw my... <laughs> Clay Byersdorfer from
1: universe. the Last Man Up podcast. And he, shit all over my, uh, my shit kit. Shit
3: all over my drawings. <laughs> uh, I should have just said, it's not for me. It's not for me.
1: I did read on Twitter someone who covers soccer for CBS. I forgot his name. He is hearing rumors that the MLS... And one of the leagues in Mexico may merge, yep, and form like I guess like a, just a huge super league. Uh, if that happens, that, that that would be enormous. Oh, for that would sure. be enormous for MLS.
3: Well, just creating that pipeline, um, you know, from South America and, and introducing that, you know, into the United States would be huge alone. Because where do guys go if they can't play in Europe? Well, they play in South America. Yeah. If they can't play in South America, where do they go? They play in the United States. So. Opening that pipeline would be absolutely huge.
1: We have talked about this ad nauseum. I think the only thing that's really going to put soccer over the top here in the United States is that it's going to have to take a generational talent like a Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan type yep. talent who is going to shun the competitiveness and the money that he can make over in Europe and want to play in the MLS. Sure. And is it going to happen? I, I don't know, but I think that's what I don't it would think take. So. It would have to it had to be someone who's so good at soccer that your mom, who doesn't watch soccer, knows who that guy is. Right? Like your mom may not know or may not watch basketball. If you go to your mom and say Lebron, she knows exactly who you are talking about. Right. It's got to be somebody like that.
3: Well, that and I'll be interested to see. And uh, my thought is that the MLS will eventually, if they're not already, move into that academy style of professional sports. You see it um you know in the minor leagues with baseball how they have several organizations that feed into the parent club you see in premier league where they're pulling kids out of school at 10 years of oh, age yeah. putting them in that um so i'll be interested to see if the mls decides to adopt something like that because i think you're more likely to have those guys taylor twelman is a guy that comes to mind who's you know a st louis guy and you know phenomenal soccer player played on the biggest stage. Um, I wonder if he was brought up in a system like that here in North America, if he would end up playing for the hometown team.
0: You know, they talked about St. Louis FC being a feeder team for this MLS team.
1: Yeah, I've heard that too. Yep. When, they, when they were talking about when the vote was going up, when it was, this initially was put together. Yeah. Another thing too that, that I didn't like, it seemed like MLS was trying to sweep in. Like we just got dumped by the NFL and we were going to be the easy lay by the MLS. Like our feelings were hurt and we were vulnerable and we looked like we had all this money to throw around, and we were shunned by the NFL, and the MLS would be like, hey, babe, buy you a drink. I mean, that's what it kind were of we, seemed like at the time, too.
0: We were the fat girl on the landing at 2 o'clock?
1: <laughs> I mean, if that's the way you want to put it, sure. I was thinking more like you know the, the sweet, innocent girl who got dumped by her boyfriend like right before prom. But. Oh, okay.
3: He put it way more eloquently than you did. You're, well, that's because he's a wordsmith. You're, you're very <laughs> lecherous. That's why you're behind the dock. Annie Hanselman.
1: You're very <laughs> lecherous.
0: Yeah, that's why I just that's why I push buttons over here.
1: Look, <laughs> <laughs> joining us on the phone right now is a longtime NFL journalist. You can catch him on the NFL Network, and you follow him on Twitter at Jeffrey Chadia. <laughs> Jeff Chadia, how are you, sir?
4: You know what? How you doing, man?
1: Good. Great hearing you, man. Because I know when I'm hearing Jeff Chadia on my phone, I know it's football season, and that automatically puts a smile <laughs> on my face.
4: Man, well, it's good to know. Good to know. Put the phone on my face, too, hearing myself
1: on the phone somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the, the game Monday night between the uh, New Orleans Saints and the Washington Redskins and Drew Brees surpassing uh, Peyton Manning as the all-time NFL passing leader, uh, passing leader when it comes to yards. Where In your mind, where does Drew Brees stand in the pantheon of NFL quarterbacks? It seems like he's kind of overlooked by the the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's and the Brett Favre's and even the Aaron Rodgers.
4: Oh, I think he certainly is. And you look at his overall body of work, just not, be, not going beyond the records, just the awards, Super Bowl win. He checked pretty much every box you can check for a quarterback. You know, I, I put him in my top 10 right now, given the, all he's done in his career. But it seems what's going to hurt him is he's playing in an era now where the numbers are so skewed offensively because of the rules, the way people play the football. But he certainly had a phenomenal career.
1: I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. I think maybe Dan Levitar brought it up on ESPN about how think about how differently the football landscape will look right now if those doctors in Miami who are working for the Dolphins have said, "You know what, his shoulders his shoulders fine. Go ahead and sign him instead of uh, Dante Culpepper because." who knows, maybe Nick Saban stays on and becomes the head coach of the Miami Dolphins and he doesn't go to Alabama and who knows what would happen to the New Orleans Saints. Slippery slope.
4: Yeah, it is strange to think back to that time and, and, and remember what Drew Brees, how he was considered in that time. He was certainly wasn't what he is today. It was more of a gamble. Uh, I understand why they went with Dante Culpepper because he, at that point he was certainly more, um, more highly regarded than Drew was at that point in his career, but um, yeah, you, you imagine Alabama without Nick Saban, the Saints without Drew Brees, the Dolphins with a real quarterback over the last ten years. It could be a whole different story.
3: Jeff, I'm curious. Uh, one of the coolest parts, I think, of that moment, you know, when he passed the all-time, uh, you know, passing yards uh, list, or you know, rose to the top. Not only did he do it on a bomb of a touchdown What was that? 64 yards whatever it was yeah but I think the coolest thing to me was after he did it you know he celebrated with his teammates and he ran right over to his family and he grabbed his boys and he told them you know this is proof that you can do anything if you work hard enough to me that was one of the most iconic sports moments that I can remember ever seeing live on television where does that rank for you
4: Oh, uh, it's right up there. Usually, you see guys accomplish things at that level at, at that point in their careers, and it is more about let me give a big speech, let me talk about how great my career has been, and they do allude to the family and the team. But you could tell that you could tell what he meant to that city, you could tell what he meant to that team, the way people responded to him in that moment, and, and it was it was beautiful because I I tell people this all the time, and I live in Kansas City where Patrick Mahomes' career is taking off, and People bash Alex Smith for what he wasn't as a quarterback, and I have a lot of credit. I give a lot of credit to guys like Drew Brees, uh, Jeff Garcia, Alex Smith, guys who have had to fight through all kinds of stuff to build their careers, make names for themselves. Because it's not easy to do it, especially when you go through tough times at the start, when you go through injuries. Uh, I think we we give a lot, a lot of credit to guys who have big arms and you know, big potential, but sometimes we forget that the beauty of this game is the guys who work really hard to find a way to succeed as well.
1: You brought him up, you're in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes and the and the Kansas City Chiefs right now the, the hottest thing in the National Football League. And you gotta say Patrick Mahomes is is right now the MVP um, what's you're there in Kansas City? What is the reaction there? Is everybody just falling head over heels in love, or they're like, you know what, we've kind of seen this before? we with a hot Chiefs team that started out like you know five and oh six and oh, and then we just get our hearts broken in the postseason.
4: Well, you know, there was a love affair long before he ever played a game, so you can imagine what it's like now. I mean, he's gone from I think I wrote that you know instead of being a rock star, he's with the guy who created music. You know, he's like <laughs> he's like way way beyond rockstar status here and deservedly so because the way he started his career with 14 touchdown passes no interceptions in the first four games his team starting five and oh personally i do have issues with with their defense they played well last week against jacksonville but they've struggled all year long i do think that no matter how good your quarterback is if your defense isn't good you're going to have some problems but uh he is far beyond what anybody thought he would be at this point in his career by, by, by far.
3: I'm curious to know what, you know, opposing defenses, you know, on the Kansas City Chiefs schedule, they're looking at Patrick Mahomes, he's out there slinging it, you know, 50 times a game, throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. How do you prepare for a guy like that as you head into uh, Sundays?
4: Well, it is an interesting dynamic because he's still showing people what he can do, what his strengths and weaknesses are, teams are still getting a feel for him. Personally, I feel like the last couple of games, you've seen a glimpse of of how teams are going to defend him. Uh, the Broncos really came after him. A lot of blitzes that they had not shown on film. And, and the Jaguars really played more disciplined, tried to rush with four, get there without blitzing. And I, I suspect the Patriots will try to keep him in the pocket, more controlled pass rushing because that's what they do over there. But you, you certainly have to, one, you have to be able to get to him with out blitzing. If you can't do that, you're going to struggle because he's too smart. He's going to see where things are coming from, and he's too mobile uh, to get around the blitz. So you have to you have to be able to find a way to contain him and confuse him, and that, that's easier said than done.
3: You mentioned it. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs take on the New England Patriots Sunday. Every writer that I have seen on Twitter is going with the changing of the guard or the passing of the torch uh, in terms of Tom Brady handing over the reins to Patrick Mahomes, especially if he beats him. What's your take on that?
4: I think it's kind of early for it, and I'm a huge Patrick Mahomes fan, and I did a story with him at the start of the year that, you know, at that time I believed in him that I was willing to do a story on him before he ever played a game. But I, I also feel we live in an era where we're ready to crown people really quickly and, and not, man. like, let things play out, you know? It's sure. like uh, even the other day I was doing a local radio show and someone said that Patrick could do things that no one else in the league could do, and I'm thinking, really? Five <laughs> Five games into the NFL season. yeah. And, I, and so it's like, you guys know it there. It's like, you saw the greatest show on turf, and it was it was huge for a couple of years. And all of a sudden, people started figuring it out and hit the quarterback, and things changed. And all of a sudden, Kurt Warner went from being a guy to you know being bounced out from Mark Bolger. And so I tell people all the time that, you know, look at Deshaun Watson. Look at Andrew Luck. Yeah. Uh, look at Derek Carr. This, this league is filled with guys who started fast and then, you know, plateaued. Doesn't mean they're bad quarterbacks. It just means that that position that sooner or later, you're going to go through some ups and downs.
1: Uh, you, you brought them up again, a team that used to occupy St. Louis and now reside in Los Angeles. Uh, the Rams are also the other undefeated team in the National Football League. When I see them, that offense is dynamic, and that defense I thought was going to be better. Now when they need to make a stop, they can. I think that's the biggest difference right now between the Rams and the Chiefs. But so far I think this, Chief, this Rams defense is kind of underwhelmed. What has been your, your opinion of them so far?
4: Well, I think you're right, and and I, I do believe that a keep to lead being heard and Marcus Peters being banged up is a big factor. at I was really looking forward to watching that defense with those two guys at corner and, and Wade Phillips calling calling the defense and Endowment sue and Aaron Donald. So I, I think they're playing with a really beat up back end, which doesn't bode well at a time when quarterback is throwing the football all over the place. But if you ask me to pick the best team in the NFL right now, they would they would be it because they're undefeated. They have the most balanced, and and even with a banged-up defense, man, they, they, it's like, like Kansas City, they, they can score so many points so quickly in so many different ways that it just, you just have to be okay as, as defensively. You don't have to be, you know, a top-five record-breaking unit anymore.
1: Who do you think is going to be the first one to lose? Is it going to be the Rams or the Chiefs?
4: I, I think the Chiefs. I think Chiefs lose this week, actually. Um, I, I just think when you look at the track record for Bill Belichick, Given ten days to prepare for an opponent, uh, the way he uh, prepares for first year quarter quarterbacks in their first year facing him, I think that every quarterback that's been in that situation is lost, and and so that's. I think the Chiefs have great potential, but I think teams are starting to figure their offense out a little bit and Mahomes out, and I just feel like with what you know, getting Josh Gordon, getting Edelman back. Brady having gone split at the storm, Sony Michelle in the backfield. Now the the Patriots are not looking a lot more like the Patriots that we expected.
1: See, I think the Rams are going to lose on Sunday because they're going into Denver. It's supposed to snow that morning. I think it's going to be oh. like a, like a high of thirty one. They those those yeah. boys have been in the California sunshine for a couple years now. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit good, of a, huh? going to be a little bit of a rude awakening when that plane lands on uh, on Saturday and it's uh it's the, and the temperatures are freezing. So I got the Rams going down on Sunday.
4: Well, you might be right because they struggled in Seattle. That was a surprise to me. I know it's a divisional game, but I was surprised that they were able to, you know, to really struggle with a team that I think they're a lot better than right now. So maybe they both lose. Maybe that's what happens this week. But, um, you know, I would bet that the Patriots definitely beat the Chiefs before I bet the Rams lose each Denver.
3: Jeff, other than Patrick Mahomes and the fantastic start that he and the Kansas City Chiefs are having and obviously, you know, the Rams success, maybe not as much of a surprise. What's been your biggest takeaway or, or biggest thing that you've learned through the first quarter of the NFL season?
4: Just that offense is out of control. Oh, yeah. And I'm i I'm a defense guy and, and I like seeing good defense, but I feel like the, the way the rules have changed, this is the year that the NFL really jumped the shark, like just went too far with it because you know, even here again, the way Patrick Mahomes started, I was blown away by it and thought, my God, this guy is amazing. I've never seen this before. And then last week, I'm looking at the stats for for quarterbacks in the league, and everybody's playing well. I mean, Drew Brees has got 11 touchdowns and no interceptions. Philip Rivers has 13 touchdowns and two picks, and there's every. I think there's like 25 quarterbacks with a passer rating over 90, which has never happened. So, yeah. um, you know, so it's 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 exciting for the NFL the fact that. Big offense leads to better ratings. You've got Young Star. That's really, you know, big stuff for the NFL and good for the NFL. But I also fear that you get away from NFL, the football as I know it, which is also involves good defense. I really feel bad for the defensive players right now.
3: I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've noticed is the lack of superstar – I won't say superstar power, but the lack of elite performances by running backs this year. Todd yep. Gurley has scored a ton of touchdowns, but he hasn't had that game where he's rushed for, you know – a buck fifty, two hundred, and you're seeing it and you mentioned it. It's it's become a passers league. So what does that say about the running back position not only this season but moving forward?
4: Well, you know what? I, I, I'm actually surprised that it's gone that way because I felt coming into the season that after you saw three straight years of running backs being taken in the top five of the draft with Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Burnett, Saquon Barkley, uh Lady I'm belving out it's a big part of this, but the league had gone so much to running backs being so multidimensional, where you had a bunch of guys who catch 75, 80 balls in a season and rush for fifteen hundred yards. And I do think it'll come back to it at some point, but I think it's just right now it's so beneficial for teams to throw that. You know, whether you're Pittsburgh with Le'Veon Bell when he comes back, or the Rams with Pat Gurley, or the Chiefs with Kareem Hunt, like some of these guys just aren't getting the touches because quarterbacks want to throw the football and teams want to want to take advantage of you know disadvantage off defense.
1: Jeff Chadia from the NFL Network joining us right now on the Last Man Up podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeffrey Chadia. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Tomorrow, the Thursday night game is the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, who needs to win tomorrow night the most? Is it the 1-4 one, and four, uh, one and four Giants, or is it the 2-3 Philadelphia Eagles?
4: Oh, the Giants for certain. I have a feeling that over time the Eagles will figure things out and NFC East, it remains pretty wide open, even though they've struggled. They're only one game out of first place. But the Giants are such a train wreck right now. And, you know, you look at Odell Beckham's interview with Lil Wayne and Josina Anderson and what's happening there. Eli Manning being at a point where you have to question how much longer he can still play this game at any kind of level. I just think for a confidence standpoint and a chemistry standpoint, they got to win a game just to feel good about their whole season going forward.
1: Is, have they been your biggest disappointment so far this year?
4: No, I would say Houston's been my biggest disappointment so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know they, they've they been able to pick up a win last week, but having Deshaun Watson back and having J.J. Watt with the first list, all those guys coming into the year, I felt like kind of a ton of defense, pretty good quarterback. They would start strong and for them to be in third place in that division, it, it really surprises me. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh Phil O'Brien's got to be on some kind of hot seat. They can't get this thing turned around.
3: No doubt. Uh, you brought it up earlier, uh, Odell Beckham's interview with Lil Wayne and Josina Anderson, just the latest in, in what's becoming almost a regular thing for him now to be lashing out or, or doing something that may be not aligned with the organization. If the Giants continue to falter, is there any truth or is there any thought that Odell Beckham may not be best suited in a Giants uniform?
4: You know what, I, it's funny you asked that question, but I thought that going into the into the offseason, and I know that friends of mine who cover him in New York always say, you know, his teammates love him, he works so hard, he's really a good guy. And, but on the outside, it, it feels like he's a distraction all the time. And, and once you pay a guy the amount of money he's being paid for him to do what he did, regardless of how we thought it was going to come off, it's, uh, you know, he's got to be on his best behavior going forward. I mean, you pay that that man that much money, you know he's going to be the face of your franchise or one of these faces, and he's still having immaturity issues. And so, yeah, do I think he's talent-wise? Do I think he fits there? Without question. But do I think in that market, with all the distractions that can come from him, just just saying one sentence or two sentences, I think it's it's the long road to go with him.
1: Jeff, final question for the night, and thank you again for joining us. What do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers do with Le'Veon Bell? Because you're seeing John Connor play extraordinarily well for him, James Connor. James Connor. Um, I got Terminator. Yeah, Connor Terminator. I got Terminator on my mind. Uh, you see James yeah. Connor play He's, extor- pretty good, yeah. <laughs> He's pretty good. You see James Connor play extraordinarily well for him, and Le'Veon Bell's wanting a ton of money, and you're seeing the team doing well without him. Do you think that they try to find a way to make it work with him contractually, or do you think they trade him?
4: I think it depends on what kind of deals come down the pipe. You're seeing uh, Philadelphia being a perfect example. There's a team that needs a running back right now and probably is going to be in the market for one, given that they lost, say, Ajayi. Uh If they were to throw a second-round pick, I think Pittsburgh would jump on that because um, he's going to be gone anyway after the year's over. Uh, the Jets are in the market, certainly after the season's over. So I think the trick deadline comes out. I would not surprise me to see him being dealt because as much as he can do on the field, I just think that so much damage has been done off the field with the way he's handled the situation. and it's. I just feel Pittsburgh's probably ready to move on. They're probably better off for it.
3: And they're probably – right. I mean, it's largely dependent on where they stand whenever he comes back in terms of the actual yeah. team. Absolutely,
1: that's true, too. I've heard Green Bay is in the mix, too, as far as uh, trying to land Le'Veon yeah. Bell.
3: Oof. Aaron Rodgers yeah. needs weapons.
1: I mean, I'm still amazed at the lack of weapons that Aaron Rodgers has in Green yeah. Bay. <laughs> Well, I that,
3: think he is too. That yeah. they're, they're not running their best guy. I mean, it,
1: it, it is absolutely—it's it, incredulous. How could you have you? You go from a Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. What other franchise has that kind of luck? And you surround them with nobody. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. It's
3: it's yeah. It's, been, it's been a rough Crazy, year. For I, I don't, <laughs> I,
1: they're going to look back. They're going to look back. and They're going to go like, "What the bleep did we do? Yeah. We had Aaron Rodgers and we gave him a bunch of nobodies." I mean, at least, at least yeah. bring in Des and see what Des can do. That's true. I don't get it. Yeah.
4: No, I
1: agree with you. Jeff Chadia. thank you again for joining us, my friend. It is so good hearing your voice, and we look forward to having you on again real soon. All right.
4: Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks,
1: Jeff. That is Jeff Chadia right, from NFL Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeffrey Chadia. <laughs> joining us on the phone right now is the sports writer for the Columbia Daily Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. Danny Jones, how are you, sir?
2: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing tonight?
1: Doing outstanding. Uh, First, I want to talk about the game this past Saturday against uh, South Carolina before we move on to what I think is going to be a horrible slaughter on primetime in Tuscaloosa. But a lot of times, filmmakers, they will use the weather to kind of like show the breaking of tension and the mood in films. Most famously, uh, Sidney Lumet in uh, 12 Angry Men, he used the weather a lot for the people in the juror room. Like the room was hot and then people were fighting all the time. Then it would rain. Then it would storm. It kind of reflected tensions in the room. The weather really reflect, really reflected how Mizzou played in that game on Saturday. They looked outstanding that first half, and then it started to rain, and then Drew, Drew Locke looked like he'd never played a game of football before. The rain went away. <laughs> They started to make a comeback, but they just couldn't seal the deal. They couldn't close the deal. What was your impression of that game?
2: Man, first, a great reference to uh, <laughs> Sidney Lumet and 12 Angry Men. That is awesome. I I love that movie. Actually, I watched that movie when I was – I can remember the first time I ever watched that movie. I was in elementary school. It's one of my dad's favorites, and – uh I never looked at it in that light. I was only like a ten-year-old kid, uh, but what a great movie! Great uh, blew, you just blew story.
1: his mind. I'm, I'm showing off that <laughs> I'm, I'm showing off that film degree that I'm still paying for.
2: Right, um, but yeah, uh, definitely. It, and it, it, like you said, a lot of times it shows the mood. But on Saturday, it seemed to dictate the mood. Like Missouri was uh, rolling along. Um, you know, they had things clicking. They were dominating the game. They they weren't they hadn't really made the most of their opportunities but they really did control the game for the first two quarters and uh and and then they came back out in the second half and i it was like um it was like they, the world had changed around them. That that was the verbiage I used in in the story. But it was just like they were suddenly in a different spot. And every, you know, like I don't know if Demaryius Crockett stepped out of bounds or not. Uh, if the replay was conclusive or not. But at that point, Missouri went backwards. That drive ended in a total disaster. Defense suddenly couldn't get a stop. Uh, you know, the rest of that third quarter. Was just a mess, uh, and it, it it poured down rain the whole time. Of course, there was the Drew Lock interception, but then in the fourth quarter, you know, some came back out. Missouri started looking better. Uh, the defense pulled itself together. The offense uh, uh, was able to to at least get some points on the board. Um, but but by then, it was it, too little, too late. Um, so uh, yeah, to, to kind of go back on on what you were saying about the the weather, it was really odd the way it seemed to have such a profound impact on the game and and Missouri's mentality and that was I think the most concerning thing was it wasn't just that Missouri couldn't pass the ball it was that something in their psyche appeared to change when it when the flow of the game got disrupted and they could never recover from that
1: when when that team really imploded during the bad weather that has to fall solely on the shoulders of Barry Odom because weather and football is a great equalizer the Carolina the South Carolina game clocks they had to play in that bad weather too so keeping the team focused and, and, you know, like you were talking about, the, the, the dumb penalties, you know, sportsmanlike conduct, the, the penalties like that. I mean, Barry Odom's got to bring that team in together and say, listen, man, we're, we're beating ourselves. We're winning this game and now we're losing it. I, I saw more than one person on Twitter say fire Barry Odom. I think that might have been prisoner of the moment. But the AD could not have been happy with the way that game turned out.
2: Yeah, and and I kind of made the point again on Saturday night that South Carolina is your equal in the SEC East. That's a team that has a lot of uh, the same resources that Missouri does. Has a third-year coach like Missouri does. Um, I think in a lot of ways their histories are are pretty similar in terms of you know football programs, and and certainly this year Missouri and South Carolina were kind of fighting for the same territory, which was that. You know, real estate right behind Georgia and the SEC East, and to have that game in in their grasp and not capitalize on it was, uh, you know, that was definitely an opportunity missed. And you know, it kept, like, yeah, I, I I would have to agree to to some extent to your point about you know uh, whether being the equalizer you, that really. Um, is something that you have to be, be you know better prepared for it was kind of like reminded me in a basketball game when one team goes on a run it's like the other team just you have to call timeout and get yourself together and Missouri just never had that moment where they were able to call timeout like a basketball team would and say hey everybody needs to get on the same page here uh we we need to, we're we're losing it and we need to get you know all back together that never happened until it was too late uh that, that was kind of what, what came into my mind was, boy, Barry Odom could really use a, a timeout right here.
3: Danny, I'm curious if you have uh, any insight as to kind of the, the temperature overall feel of the locker room, knowing that, uh, you know, I won't say South Carolina was a must win, but any game, certainly before you go play the powerhouse that is Alabama, I think is, is almost in that category. Is Are tensions high in the locker room right now going into uh, this coming weekend?
2: What you know, on on Saturday, when we talked to the players after the game, uh, you know, th- there was definitely some emotion there. There was definitely the feeling of uh, disappointment and uh, th- that, that they'd let an opportunity slip away. You know, I, I didn't I didn't come out of that really thinking like, wow, this team is really down in the dumps. I mean th- they were obviously. Uh, what Barry Odom said Tuesday was that um, in the past, you know, you've had situations either on Saturday after the game or even on Monday uh, where he it was the way he put it was sometimes it's like, you, you know, everybody comes back and they're almost over it a little bit too fast. Um, and that wasn't the case with this team. So, I, you know, it is uh, uh, with with Alabama coming up this week, uh, you're, you're looking at the possibility of a three game losing streak. And, and who knows how that affects your confidence going forward. Um, it, it was uh, that that was one that Missouri really could have benefited from. Uh, unfortunately, it just didn't work out that way.
1: It looks like Emmanuel Hall will be missing his second game. He is unlikely to play against Alabama, according to head coach Barry Odom. Um, that is really going to significantly downgrade the offense. What kind of chance do you give this Missouri offense against a top flight defensive unit like the Alabama Crimson Tide? Crimson Tide.
2: I think, actually, uh, Barry said today on the SEC teleconference that Emmanuel Hall will not play. Um, I, but with without him, with him, um, I think he will be uh, missed because Alabama's defense, uh, if they've shown, you know, one little small, you know, chink in their armor on defense, it's been that they can give up a big play. And, and without Emmanuel Hall, I just don't know – if Missouri's going to be able to exploit that, uh, their vertical passing game is is really dependent on somebody that can stretch the field, and that has been Emmanuel Hall since about the middle of last season. And uh, yeah, they're they're going to be missing him this weekend, and it's 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 really unfortunate timing. But uh, you know, if it, it's going to be harder to run on Alabama than it was in their, I think, in their last two games, even against a good Georgia defense, I don't think. Uh, that, that it's going to be any uh, easier to run on Alabama than it was on Georgia. So that you wonder if that's going to have the same level of success. It, it, it'll be extremely tough. Alabama's front seven is one of the best in the country, but I think what might be even tougher to match up with will be the other side of the ball. That's not something that you could say uh, for you know, playing against Alabama for the last few years, but for man, just looking at what Alabama does in the pass game, and looking what at what how, uh, looking at how Missouri defends the pass game, uh, makes for a pretty scary combination.
3: I want to talk about uh, Drew Locke for a minute. Obviously, you know we any success that Mizzou football has starts and ends with him. The narrative or some form of narrative against drew lock is that he doesn't perform in big games and knowing that this will be the best defense the most nfl caliber style of defense that he will face you know kind of heading into next year's draft what do you make of him and what do you think his mindset is uh, uh knowing that that story is uh circling
2: i think he has to know just like everybody else that you know that is that that's been the knock on him i th- i think I, there's no doubt in my mind that he knows that he came into the season with that understanding um and and you know certainly uh playing alabama is going to be the the ultimate test for him um it, he, he, i really thought his game against georgia uh was not too bad there were a lot of drops in that game i on second watch i counted nine drops against georgia and if his if those are caught uh, probably there's a touchdown in there. There's certainly a lot more yards in there, and, uh, and and his numbers would have looked a lot better from that game. But against South Carolina, we go back to the rain. Uh, it, he really just did not look too sharp in that game, uh, and especially in the third quarter, that interception was uh, unacceptable to, to throw that pass, and who knows how much. You know, his vision was affected. He said he, he didn't realize Tyler Beatty was on the ground until the ball was already coming out of his hand. But um, this is this is the, the test for Drew Locke. When when NFL teams are making their decision on him in April, this is going to be in all likelihood the first game that they're going to pull up. How did he perform against Alabama? You know, a team with the kind of talent that he's going to see week in and week out in the NFL. Did he perform under you know, with pressure in his face in the pocket? Did he throw his receivers into open positions? Uh, was he composed in the fourth quarter? Was, was his team in it in the fourth quarter? All those things are, are going to be uh, weighed and measured against him. And, uh, and so you know, he hasn't really had a lot of those tests. There were a couple teams they played uh, last year. Certainly Auburn was a, was a really good team. Georgia was a really good team. But playing Alabama is going to be a different beast, especially in Tuscaloosa.
1: Danny Jones from the Columbia Daily Tribune joining us on the phone right now. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. Uh, when you're, you're covering a team like Missouri this year and they're getting ready to go into the Lions' den and take on Alabama, which some people have said is the best college football team they've ever seen, what's been the mood of the players? Are they kind of like, you know, they, look, they have to they look like you know, people who are on death row and they're just waiting for the guy in the black hood, or do they have like a, like a little bit of confidence going, Hey, you know what, why can't we go down there and shock the world?
2: You know, that's a, that's a great question. And if we had, you know, if we got a little bit more time with them, it it would definitely be, uh, you know, really interesting to see what that mood is like in the locker room when they're, you know, when they're, when they're around the media, it's, you know, they see us, twice a week they see us after immediately after the game and then again on Tuesday you know they have a couple days to prepare themselves they have you know SIDs in their ear uh, giving them talking points to really get an honest evaluation would be enlightening because when we did talk to him yesterday you know there wasn't nobody nobody said man this is going to be really tough this is going to be uh, you know, the, the, the it's going to be extremely difficult that Derek Dooley did say that, uh, granted that he said, you know, the challenge for us is, is being in the fourth quarter in every game, and that's going to be a challenge this week. So credit to him for telling it like it is. Uh, I think that was a pretty, pretty accurate and and forward thinking statement, but, uh, the players, you know, they didn't seem discouraged. They didn't seem, uh, like they were about to face, you know, this monumental challenge that everybody else is talking about, like, wow, these guys, if they make it out alive, then they're going to be doing great. But it, it would be really interesting to see what it's like in those hours before the game, you know, the bus ride to the stadium, the moments in the locker room. If I'm sure there are guys in that locker room that are up to the challenge. You know what I mean? I think Therese Hall is one guy that will be absolutely jacked to play in this game that's just his personality he's he's open to challenges uh and and he's he's one guy that stands out he's not going to be the only guy but he's one guy that stands out um i think we'll kind of see i think we'll get an impression i don't think it's going to take very long to to get an idea of where missouri's head is at i think in the first couple minutes of the game maybe the first drive we'll have an idea if missouri was mentally ready to play or if they weren't um, and and against Alabama, I mean, yeah, that's that's going to be the ultimate test. Is is at is at uh, Bryant Denny Stadium.
1: I remember a few years ago when Mizzou played Alabama in the SEC title game, and Mizzou was the first one to run on the field. And I was at a you know local watering hole, and you know Mizzou comes out and everybody's cheering, you know, clapping, you know, go Tigers, M I Z Z O U, that whole thing. And then Alabama comes running on the field, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, <laughs> that looked like grown men out there ready to take on our pee wee team." They they, <laughs> they just have it's it's amazing how Nick Saban can just reload year after year after year. You 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 don't really have to go out and do any recruiting. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, I heard Colin Cowherd say this about George Clooney: George Clooney is not a convincer. he's an asker. If George Clooney wants to go out with a beautiful woman. He doesn't have to convince her. He just has to ask. Alabama's an asker. They don't have to convince a kid to go play football in Alabama. They ask you. They just ask you, would you like to come play football in Alabama? That's all they got to do. It's amazing. And how Nick Saban is still such a curmudgeon all the time. (laughs) I don't get it.
2: Danny Jones, explain it to me. Uh, (laughs) It's a great point. Uh, There's always something that Nick Saban is, is mad about. And you know, he probably wouldn't be the best football coach in college football, maybe even college football history, if he was easily satisfied. However, you do wonder how somebody can just go through life the way Nick Saban does (laughs) at the pinnacle of, of sport and, you know, complaining, calling out the students for not showing up to the game against Louisiana Lafayette. Like, yeah. dude, do you have anything else in your life that you can complain about? Do you, is there anything that, that you take joy in when you go home at night? Like besides just looking at all these trophies you've accumulated. Uh, but, but, He's incredibly successful. Far be it for me to, you know, tell Nick Saban how to live his life. That guy has got it a lot more figured out than I do. Maybe we could all take a lesson from Nick Saban. Maybe he's the one that's got it figured out. There we maybe go. We don't.
1: It, it, it just seems like a terrible way to go through life where there's no joy. There's only relief. i
3: him, <laughs> him and Bill Belichick are are bread. Gotta the same be
1: uh, uh, Pat Riley, who was one of my favorite sports figures of all time. He has famously said that there's winning and there's misery. That's it. Like either you win or you're miserable. And I kinda get that, but like when Pat Riley won, you can see that Pat Riley was excited that he won. Yeah. I mean, I I still remember in two thousand six when the Heat won their first NBA championship and Pat Riley's out there and he's got the hair slicked back, he's got the shades on, he's a silver fox, he's gonna steal your girl whether you want it or you whether you you like it or not. Right. And he's up there at the podium and he's dancing and he's clapping. You never see Nick Saban exert that kind of joy.
3: That's just not his personality. (laughs) He right, hasn't, it's he hasn't kinda...
2: farted in like ten years. <laughs> That's what he needs. He just
1: needs a lit one rip. Maybe that is up. the
2: problem. It's just a little <laughs> bit backed up. When I was in when I was in high school, uh, my I played high school soccer, and my coach always said, "You want you know everybody everybody loves to win, but you you have to have guys on your team that really hate losing. One or two. Uh, and, and at Alabama, that is that is covered by Nick Saban. There is nobody. In sports, I think who hates losing more than Nick Saban.
1: Great way to put it. Great way to end it. Danny Jones, thank you again for joining us. We look forward to having you on again throughout this NF or the throughout this college football season, and then when uh, Mizzou basketball picks up here in a little over a month.
2: Okay, guys, appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Danny. Danny.
1: That is Danny Jones from the Columbia Daily Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. Thank you for listening to the Last Man Up podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. You can follow Clay at Ton of Clayton, and you can follow Andy at Emo6. Speaking of Andy Hanselman, he has the trending topics, according to AwfulAnnouncing.com.
0: Yeah, we have the uh, the the, uh, the top five hot takes of the week. Uh, Grant Polson of The Athletic has a whole lot of takes defending Tom Wilson. Washington Capitals forward Tom Wilson was in the news this week for a 20-game suspension. He's appealing after an illegal check to the head of St. Louis Blues forward Oscar Sunquest. Here's some of the quips that Grant tweeted out after uh, the suspension. This is a complete joke. A quarter of a season for that hit? Just preposterous. Suspending a player with a violent track record is one thing, forcing him to miss almost 25% of the season? Get out of here. The only hits that should result in 20 game suspensions are dirty, late, violent hits. That aren't levied during play, intent to injure away from the play, garbage, not violent hockey collisions on puck carriers with their head down.
1: Well, doesn't this, this uh, doesn't Tom Wilson? Doesn't he have like a bit of a track record of being kind he of? He does,
0: and actually, and they they talk okay, about so, that I mean, as well.
1: Whenever you're suspended for twenty games like that, they take that into consideration. They take all your your, right. your previous record.
0: I think the funniest part about it is
3: why even appeal? Like you you know you're not going to win. You know you're not like going you to. You have no. a career track record, it's, and people hate you in that front office. It's like
1: when your are is perfect for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, and you're known for being a headhunter and right. a dirty player. Right. And if you get tossed out of a game for even kind of like a, a questionable hit, right? You earn that rep, dude. Right. If you earn that rep, you're gonna have to live with it.
3: It's like Josh Gordon going out and getting busted for PEDs or smoking marijuana yeah, it, it, again it, it, and then appealing that suspension.
1: Thank you. It'd be, like, it'd be like Josh Gordon like outraged that he's not getting a huge contract. Right. Why would anybody invest take
3: in it, you? Right.
1: You're, Stup- one, you're one piss test away from never playing in the NFL again. Why am I going to give you any money? Stupid take.
3: Stupid take.
0: Mad Dog goes off on Liam Hendricks, says he peed his pants. Mad Dog, known for his fiery takes, got real fired up about uh, the Oakland A's decision to have a bullpen game in the AL Wild Card game, led by Liam Hendricks taking the mound and over Hendricks' particular uh, suboptimal performance. Uh, The A's got to do things uh, got to do things the hard way to show how smart they are. They're going to start Liam Hendricks out there, who, again, I hate to use the word, he peed in his pants. There's nothing else I have to say. He peed in his pants.
1: Oh, yeah, Chris Russo has never been shy to back away from any take. Right. But, I mean, I think we kind of saw how that worked out for the A's in that wild card game.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's okay, they tried a strategy, it didn't work. Like, that guy would be riding in the complete opposite if he had gone out there and they'd shoved all nine innings with relievers. So it's good, good for him for, for staying current.
0: Danny Cannell argues that Dan Marino would throw for 60 touchdowns and 6,000 yards a year today.
3: Danny is Danny going to be a, a, a reoccurring guest? Every <laughs> he, he,
2: he's, he's, he's
0: slowly ranking, well, climbing the ranks of the uh, hot takes uh, tallies. You, you know, an awful uh, lineup, so.
1: Danny Cannell is probably not wrong
3: with that. No, take. Not at all. I don't know. I mean, we just we Jeff, Jeff just talked. Jeff Jadia
1: was on with us a little bit ago, and he was talking about how the, how gaudy the passing statistics are this year in the NFL. Yep. Dan, uh, Dan Marino with his arm and his quick release, absolutely. Yeah, think about what with him and Jim Kelly, John Elway. Uh, Joe Montana, the kind of numbers they could put up today in yep. today's game would just be outrageous. Shit, think about Kurt Warner. I mean, Him that, too
3: that year. Absolutely. I, I, mean, I mean, that would have been ridiculous.
0: Ninety-eight point five. The sports hubs. Mike Felger, Big Jim Murray, and Tony Maserati go off on Goomba Yankee fans. Uh, Murray, man, that house full of Goombas. They get loud, and they're in, they're onto it every single pitch. Felger, it's a house full of Goombas. Maserati, yeah, from Brooklyn. I thought they are talking about Super Mario characters. That's what I thought
3: too. What's, uh,
1: what's the? What's I don't know. I mean, like I've kind of said it before. Like I got friends who are Italian. I'll call them Goombas every once in a while. But what does it
3: actually mean? I, I, I have no idea. I think <laughs> I'm I probably pretty heard.
1: Pretty sure it's
0: a derogatory term. I was
1: just saying I prob- it's got to be racial. <laughs> I probably heard it on The Sopranos one time, and I just said that. It's probably what it is. I
0: mean, it's not as you know, it's not as racial these, as other words. Right.
1: The, these guys are from Boston.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, that's okay. okay. sports out of Boston.
1: Okay. Next Wait, take. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> what? What's? What's Boston? Boston's like fifty percent Italian and fifty percent
0: Irish, right. right?
1: Depending on where you are in that city. Look at that! <laughs> look at that gentleman right there with the Boston hat on, sir. <laughs> sir, are you Irish or Italian? Neither. Neither. Um, neither. Just a good, good blue blooded American. <laughs> just, just, a good, just a just a just a blue blooded American.
0: Phil Mushnick says celebrations, ads, and sports TV are responsible for the harassment of youth sports officials.
1: Absolutely. Everybody, every everybody who's got a kid playing youth sports thinks that kid. Maybe they don't think that that kid is going to be like the next A. Rod or LeBron or whomever is going to get like this big, huge contract. Well, they think the kids going to be good enough to get an athletic scholarship. They want to pay for college. So that's what a lot of it is, too. I mean, I know people who are sending their kids instead of the public school that they went to to the private school because yep. the private school sports are a little bit better and they think they're going to get more notice
0: are going to get uh, more notice. Last year, N.A.S.O., which I guess is some uh, national organization, conducted a national survey of 17,000 amateur game officials, male and female. Nearly half the respondents claimed they felt unsafe or feared for their safety, because of administrator, coach, spectator, and player behavior. Yeah, the,
1: that doesn't surprise me. People, do not they don't want to coach anymore, and they don't want to ref anymore. It's not worth the hassle. No. I don't blame them at no. all.
3: The higher and higher you climb, the more open your life becomes. I mean, that's with anything, really. Becoming a CEO, becoming a head coach, the bigger you get, the the, the wider your social scope and, and, is. I
1: think another thing that we're seeing now in, in today's day and age, there is no punishment for bad behavior. No. Whatsoever, unless you like behavior, it gets like unless there's a video of you saying something extraordinarily racist right. or doing something extraordinarily racist. Other than
0: that, there's no consequences of your bad behavior. Well, Brett Kavanaugh didn't get to be on the Supreme Court. Oh, wait a minute.
1: Well, okay, I'm not even talking about him. But I, mean, I was
0: I'm teasing. I don't want to get into
1: that. No, I don't. I don't either. But I mean, like, okay, if you have a video of some parent losing their shit on some soccer coach, yep. and you upload it. Unless that guy screams something completely offensive, he's not going to get any kind of trouble right. for it. He's not going to be embarrassed by it. He's no. going to be like, "Yes, yeah, so what?"
3: And I think the higher, that's, that's your
1: problem, not mine.
3: The thing of it too is, I mean, you're seeing at the end of the day, money wins. I mean, if you've got enough money to make something go away or enough money to shut people up, there's always just, the power I mean, of, of fu money. You're look right. How, look how long it took freaking Donald Sterling to get ousted from his job. Yes, I mean, one of the most wealthy people in America, blatantly caught. But you know, saying racial I, I mean making insensitive, you know, here's, remarks. Here's and what, it took forever.
1: Here's what the funny thing is about Donald Sterling and the NBA. That was one of the worst kept secrets in the NBA yeah. for a long time.
3: And he had Every, his job.
1: Everybody knew that Donald Sterling was a horrible racist. It finally took him being caught on tape for the NBA to go, finally we can get rid of this huge embarrassment. He runs a he has he owns a sports team in the glamour market right. in North America. And he's running it like he's in Saskatchewan. So we got to get rid of him right now. So they, they found an opportunity to get rid of him, and they did it.
0: I'm Andy, and those are the top five
1: sports takes of the week. Thank you very much, Andy Hanselman. Thank you to our guest, Jeff Chadia from the NFL Network. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jeffrey Chadia And Danny Jones from the Columbia Daily Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. Everybody enjoy the rest of your, daily, uh, rest of your day and the rest of your week. See you on the other side.